The Daily Tap is live for Friday. We are going to react to the Bucks drafting for the future. Talk about Justin Lewis going undrafted, as well as the other Wisconsin-related players and where they went in the draft. Uh, we'll talk about the KD rumors and bring up what we talked about in late May around KD and the Bucks. And then we will talk about Brewers Cardinals very quickly um, and properly rated, overrated, underrated if there's time. Loaded Friday show. Probably should have done this last night. It's okay. Uh, we'll get into it. I'll be very brief on the social. Tapping the keg on Twitter, tapping the keg sports on Instagram, as well as TikTok. We went live from Summerfest to do our reaction. That is how much we care. Should have done the podcast right there, or I should have just walked home from Summerfest and done it as I was walking, but I took an Uber because I am lazy. Um, also, uh, we are everywhere on, on the podcast, wherever you want to find them, Spotify, Apple, uh, any Stitcher, wherever you have your podcast, we are there. Uh, make sure that you're subscribed. If you're already subscribed, make sure that you're rating and reviewing, sharing with friends. I've told you guys, you guys just don't seem to listen to me or you, you're uncomfortable, you don't want to do it. Share it with your friend, send me a screenshot, and I will Venmo you at least for one beer. Um, I will say one beer, but if you share with multiple people, I mean, then I at least I have to, I have to at least, you know, hook it up for a little bit more. Who knows? So yes, let me buy at least a beer for you this weekend. Um, but let's talk about the draft, everything that went into that. And we'll start right now. The Milwaukee Bucks had the 24th pick and the Milwaukee Bucks were in a pretty good spot. Uh, there was a lot of guys available. Uh, the draft was interesting to say the least by that point. Um, I think some guys were taken a little early, such as a Christian Braun, right? Uh, definitely a little bit of a reach at 21. And a few others were in that mix where it was a bit surprising that they had went that early. So Milwaukee Bucks had their litter of picks and they went with Marjan Bochamp, a guy that we weren't really high on, Mitch and I, that, that being. But in a weird way, it fit in with what Mitch was trying to say and what he's been saying all basically summer since the Bucks have been exited out of the second round with the Boston Celtics. If you guys haven't listened to that, I, first of all, I recommend it. But but second of all, what Mitch said was basically that the Bucks need to start looking at their future. Bucks have to start looking at their future and understanding that they need to build on what they already have. And that, yes, Giannis Antetokounmpo is going to be here for a while, but Chris Middleton's going to get up there in age. Drew Holiday is going to get up there in age. And at some point, you're going to have to find another big three, if you will, to have, or big two, I guess, to work with Giannis. Now, will that probably come in trades? Sure. But at least, could you try to take some swings in the draft to build on that? Mitch's guy was Jaden Hardy. But in a, in a weird way, they went with the same thought of Jaden Hardy, except they went with Bochamp, who is basically a defensive version of what you got with Hardy. Bochamp can defend with anybody. He's actually a little older than I think the other G-leaguers, right? He's 21 years old, um, but he's 6'8". He has a 7'1 wingspan. He can guard multiple people on the floor. He has trouble shooting the basketball. That is really the big concern there. Uh, and he is a little bit of a lottery ticket, right? I think the Bucks are hoping that he will develop his shooting playing for the Bucks, and that the Bucks will work with him on his shooting and he will become a better shooter. But it seems like he's a guy you could maybe throw out there for 10 minutes and give you great defense and sort of be a guy 
that isn't lost with Bud's system. I think Bud's system is intricate, both in the drop defense as well as what he does offensively. And so it's going to take a little bit of time. And that's why I think a lot of us, including myself, wanted someone who was ready to play right now. But if we really think about it and we really just take a step back and if the Bucs don't make any moves, and I still could trade George Hill and Grayson Allen, but there isn't a lot of roster, there isn't a lot of time for these guys in terms of playing time. You have your starting five, you have Pat Conson already opted in. I will assume that Bobby Portis comes back. I think he is going to. I feel pretty good about that. You have Bobby Portis back. So that's six and seven. You have... Javon Carter or George Hill, whoever he may be at eight. Grayson Allen at nine, if he's not starting. Um, Wes Matthews, who knows, right? Wes is in the starting lineup, but who knows if he's back. Like, it starts to get really tight when it comes to time. And maybe the Bucks look at that and said, all right, because we don't have a lot of available playing time for what we plan to do next season, because you know they have a plan. You know they have an idea. They have a construct built out. Why not draft somebody who maybe is a year away? We can probably have him play for the herd, probably have some G League exposure, a lot of two-way stuff. And that sort of starts our future iteration of the Bucks. And maybe if Bochamp, let's say, played two years at North Carolina or two years at Duke, maybe he's a top 10 pick. Maybe he's at least a top 15 pick, right? A guy who has all the skill set, it's there. He's a good rebounder. He, like I said, is a dog on defense. We're going to talk about the term dog if we get to properly related and overrated. But he definitely can play with the big with the big boys. And I don't know if you're going to see Bochamp in the playoffs next year, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if Bochamp can have some moments in the regular season just by his defense alone. And maybe that shooting comes through and the Bucks kind of get in the lab with him. The mechanics are there. It's not like he has to completely fix his shot. I think if his if his shooting sucked and also his mechanics were trash, I think then we'd be much more worried that Bochamp can't do anything. I think it was an unpopular pick with some fans, um, more of the casuals. And I get it. Like, I totally understand it. It's a G League guy. It's a guy who none of us, no one watched in college, right? It's a guy who, again, is limited limited offensively, um, which I think a lot of people would be frustrated by as the Bucks struggle to score. But I think if we go back to the original point, the Bucks look at this and say, this guy's not going to probably be in our playoff rotation this year. Could he be there next year? Potentially, right? Could be a guy waiting in the wings. Now it is on the Milwaukee Bucks to develop Bochamp, and that is my slight worry this coaching staff has not done a great job with development. They have struck out, and whether it's the players, whether it's the coaches, I'm not sure at this point. I think we'll know soon enough. Now, Jordan Nora was a late round second late second round pick, and usually those are crapshoots, right? It's a complete lottery ticket, and we'll talk about Hugo Besson in a second here because he's he fits into that mold as well. But Jordan Nora looked like a guy who could have started, or not maybe started, but could have been a rotation guy for the Bucks. And he just never took that next step. He never sort of got to that point where it's like, okay, Jordan Ora, the defense is fixed, the three-point shot's there, and he he can do it. And he just was never consistent enough to be that guy. Sandro Mayesvili, I'm not even, I, I, I'll just call him Sandro. I tried. Uh, Michesvili, I think it is. But anyways, Sandro, again, late-round pick, right? 
But Sandro has shown some things where it's like, yeah, maybe this guy can be a backup big in the league. And maybe he needs to get a taste. And again, it's either the Bucs aren't comfortable with it or the Bucs do not have, to, he's not to the level where it needs to be for Bud. But is that level too high? You know, it, it, is Bud not embracing the fact that you should try these guys out, see if they work with Giannis, see if they work with Chris Middleton, see if they work with Drew Holiday. And I'm not saying like regular season doesn't matter. I think we undervalued regular season after overvaluing it. It's a weird thing, right? I feel like it's hard to value regular season. That's probably a podcast topic for October. But even in those games where maybe it doesn't mean as much or it's a back-to-back against some team like Cleveland or Memphis. Yeah, Memphis is a bad example. Uh, I'm trying to think here. Oklahoma City, right? Back-to-back against Oklahoma City. And you're like, I don't want to play a lot of my guys. I just want to keep you honest to 30 minutes. Like, why not bring in, you know, Nora, bring in Sandro, bring in now Bochamp. Like, let these guys sort of feel comfortable with the other players and see if you have something here. And see if you can build on that and say, all right, well, they look kind of good. Like, we have a big primetime game against the Celtics on Thursday night. Like, why don't we just throw them in there? See what happens. Odds are you're not going to lose the game because of that, Right. Like you're not, that's not going to be the moment that costs you. It'd have to be catastrophic and it'd have to be a coaching malpractice to be like, okay, this is bad. Like if, yeah, they hunt Jordan Nora and Tatum has 12 straight points, then yeah, pull the fucker out, right? You have, that's why you have timeouts. I think the Bucks don't embrace that enough. I think the Bucks are not experimental enough, right? The Bucks to me are just a couple who has missionary sex all the time, right? That's all they are. They, they don't spice it up in the bedroom nearly enough and like you look at what the Warriors do right the Warriors at one point in this playoff started Jonathan Kaminga all right the Warriors benched Draymond Green in the fourth quarter like of of a game four of the finals game you gotta do some different shit and I just think the Bucs don't do that enough and I think that's partly Bud I think Bud gets stubborn I think he has sometimes too many yes men on his staff um, and they don't let him, he doesn't get to try, or they, the staff doesn't push enough. Because you look at like Taylor Jenkins, right? I think Taylor Jenkins is a great coach. I think at some points he might even be, I don't know if he's better than Bud. I, I won't go that far. I think that's a little intense. But I, I think he does, again, it's a little different than what Bud does. And I'll be curious to see what Darvin Ham looks like with LeBron. Now, I think it's a special case with Darvin Ham because he has LeBron James and he has to tailor an offense around LeBron not necessarily his offense. It's LeBron's offense. And I think that's going to be a tough push-pull for Ham uh, in the future. But yes, I I like the pick. I know we didn't talk a lot about Hugo. Hugo Besson, he played in New Zealand. He's a French uh, national player. He also has the same agent as Nick Batum, if you're wondering if there's any chicanery there. Uh, But Hugo is a smaller guard. He's a really good passer, um, just an incredible passer. Uh, He also can shoot. He's good good three-point shooter. He gets hunted on defense. He's not a good defender at all. Uh, Definitely fitting that international profile, right? Uh, Played competitively in the Australian League for the New Zealand Breakers. Uh, Some people might be familiar with that from part of my take, uh, owned by Matt Walsh. So so there is... There's something there, right? I'm not saying that Hugo's going to be this all-star. Um, and, and who knows? Maybe Hugo stays in New Zealand or he stays in Australia and he plays there for another year and the Bucks kind of have his rights. Uh, we'll see. Um, it'll be an interesting competition, I think, between him and Luca, uh, as, you know, the, the two guys that the Bucks have brought in that have similar profiles. And maybe this is something the Bucks are looking for. 
But again, I, I, I look at that and say, all right, if you're going to keep him on your roster or put him in the G League, like have some have some games where you're like, all right, we're going to try him out. We're going to see what happens. That's, to me, the only way you're going to actually know if this guy is an NBA player, if the Bucks have something here. But we'll see. Uh, I'm not I'm not going to throw a ton of ton of uh, fury, a ton of authority behind like a Hugo take. I think he's an interesting guy. I think he does a lot when it comes to passing. I think he can, you know, add an element to the Bucks, but it's a similar element that Luca kind of added. Luca Vildoza for those who were forgot or that the Bucks brought in at the tail end of the of the season. I think Vildoza Probably has a better chance than Hugo does in terms of making a team. He also has a little more size. He defends a little bit better. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised if Hugo's a guy that stays overseas and the Bucks have his rights, and then they could potentially use that or just have him develop, you know, there versus in Milwaukee. We'll see what happens in that. But yeah, good draft for the Bucks. I don't think it's a draft that is for right now. It's definitely for the future. I haven't looked at any winner and loser stuff. Um, and we'll see if the Bucks end up on any of that, but we all know with those type of things, they're all for clicks, they're all for engagement, they're, they are really not that important. I did, a po- I did a pod after one of the Packer years, and I, the title was Fuck Your Draft Grade, and I, I truly, I truly 100% believe that. Like, I, I do think draft grades do not matter. Um, they just, you know, you just never know, right? And if you're curious, in the Ringers, winner and loser, the Bucks did not show up in in a winner or loser. The G League Ignite did uh, have a loser, uh, as Jonathan Shark said. Uh, Jaden Hardy, you know, obviously falling out of the second round and going to the Mavericks. Uh, he was a top two recruit out of you know the class of 2021, and he went 37th. He is the first top recruit to go in the second round since Josh McRoberts. Of 2000 and in 2007, so that's crazy, right? Just fall from grace for Jaden Hardy. We'll see if Mitch is right. We'll see if Mitch was right all along, and he's going to the Mavericks now, which I think Jaden will learn from. Jason Kidd is a hard ass. I don't think that's going to be fun for Jaden, but we'll we'll see what happens. Uh, we'll see what happens there, and definitely excited to start the year. And now we move on to free agency. But before we do that, we'll do a little more draft and talk a little bit about Justin Lewis and the rest of Wisconsin. Since, as I said in a Twitter or TikTok and Instagram thing, it was a big night for Wisconsin, even though I forgot OG OG Ajabi. I forgot him. Uh, It it was a bad miss. Some could say it's because I didn't want to pronounce his name. Look, I'm like Kendrick Perkins, man, with pronunciation. So you can't can't hate me. Uh, Like he said, it's it's authentic. Absolutely. Same. I feel the exact same way. It's a good way to be like, I'm being authentic with also fucking up these guys' names. But I'm also not on ESPN. So Justin Lewis goes undrafted. I think that was a very big surprise. He has a two-way deal with the Bulls. Uh, good for Justin. I'm happy that he at least get, gets a chance in Summer League. I think he's going to show out. I had a bad mistake on Twitter. I said Jay Crowder was undrafted. He wasn't. But he goes in like Wes Matthews. Wes Matthews was undrafted. Uh, he made it out. Uh, Juan Toscano-Anderson, also undrafted. To me, it was a more like, oh, Juan's never going to actually play in the league. And he's been a productive player for the Warriors and now has a ring. So if you look at those as your sort of motivation, you can still you can make it. It's really hard to do it. It's not easy, right? I think being undrafted in the NBA is a lot fucking harder than, than it is in football. Because I just, there's less roster thoughts, right? It's an obvious thing. 
Now, I think the NBA has done a better job of having G League that's similar to AAA in baseball. Uh, you also have all the overseas stuff, and you can leave and come back. You've seen it with P.J. Tucker, right? P.J. Tucker, I'm not saying that it's impossible, but it's not necessarily that's common. Usually once you're overseas, you're overseas, and you're an afterthought to the NBA. Justin Lewis didn't make a mistake. I get why Justin Lewis would want to go out. I think he had a great year. I think it was a year that Justin Lewis saw and thought his potential was a lot more than what NBA scouts did. I thought there was concerns with his lateral quickness. I thought that there was still room for Justin Lewis to develop. I do think if Justin Lewis would have stayed, he would have been a top pick in the draft next year. Not like top 10 or lottery, but I think he would have been a first round pick. Because I think I think, I think Shaka Smart and Todd Smith would have worked on the things that he needed to improve on, which was lateral and you know making himself a little bit more on the perimeter. I think what hurt him and EJ Liddell is people looked at them as an undersized forward versus undersized forward and undersized interior player than a guy who could play on the wing. And that's why I think Liddell fell. That's why I think you know teams in the first round fell out of flavor with Liddell because they looked at him at 6'7 and said, nah, you're, you're a guy who's playing inside. We don't need a 6'7 guy inside. You can't hang with the big boys of the NBA. And I think that's the same with Justin Lewis, especially with the, the lack of quickness that Lewis has. It's surprising that he fell out, but also too, I don't know where the potential is, right? I, I, I shouldn't say that. There are other guys that are worth taking a shot on, you know, like a Hugo Besson, like another any other international guy, like a, a Jaden Hardy who got picked late. And I think the draft did not work out well for Justin Lewis. I'm heartbroken for him. I feel bad. Like I, I, I do. I, I think it's some, one of those things where you see a guy who has potential and we all kind of felt like we're like, I don't know. And the NBA basically said, nope, we don't, we don't like you. And that sucks. That's a shitty feeling. And I wish he had the ability to come back. It'd be very interesting if that, if that door was open. I think there might need to be some reworking of what the NBA and college basketball have. In my opinion, I think the NFL is different um, just because there are so many roster spots and I think the undrafted guys, you know, make it all the time. But for the NBA and the and the way NIL deals and everything else, like why not have the ability to go back? Why not have that choice if you're undrafted or you're picked after, let's say, the 45th pick in the NBA draft, right? And you have that choice to go back. There's They have that rule in baseball. They have that rule in hockey, Right. And why not have it for basketball? Why not have that ability for the kids to say, all right, we can go back. Does it screw with roster construction? Yeah, it does. I think maybe the college coaches wouldn't want it. I'd actually be curious. I, I think they would, give, they would give you the, of course we'd want Justin back if you, you asked Shaka in like a podcast or like an interview. But if you're like having a beer with him at like a park in Whitefish Bay and you're like, hey, if you could have Justin Lewis back, would you do it? And he might say, like, no, it screws us up from a roster construction perspective. And we'd have to, like, limit scholarships. And we have to keep a door open for somebody that might not be there. I think that would make it really tough on coaches, honestly. But maybe maybe that doesn't matter. Maybe coaches would rather have that option because they'd get a great player back who's ready for college. I hope Justin Lewis can find his footing in the league, whether it's with the Bulls or somebody else. And I, I just wish that he would have realized that there was a little bit more left in his game 
that he needed to impress the NBA draft world and worked with Marquette to, whether it's NIL, whether it's something else, um, that he was would have stayed another year and had that opportunity. But it's a bummer. And we now move on to the Marquette and the rest of their roster. And hopefully this is a lesson, right? Like I, I hate to be a dick about it, right? But like, I hope it is a little bit of a lesson to these guys of like, all right, maybe they don't value the Big East as much. I mean, you didn't, didn't see a ton from the Big East this year that went in the draft. And maybe that's a, they're overvaluing their stock because they're playing in Madison Square Garden and they're playing you know, on the East Coast and their scouts, whatever. But maybe it's a little bit overrated. I don't know. Something to think about. We'll see. And it wasn't a bad day for the rest of Wisconsin, though. I mean, there was a lot of good things that came out of that. Uh, Johnny Davis got drafted by the Wizards. Um, that seemed to be almost like a promise, right? Uh, Davis will be an interesting guy if they keep their roster. Uh, the Wizards could definitely push for a playoff spot this year with Bradley Beal, with now Davis, with Kyle Kuzma. It's a nice little young core, right? Um, Beal, obviously, a little older, but that's, that's not a bad core. I mean, Rui Hachimura has been kind of a bust at this point. Um, Rui has not necessarily advanced himself, I think, as the Wizards would have won, but I think it's a nice spot for Davis. I think he'd, he's going to get a chance to maybe start out the gates. We'll see. Uh, but yeah, good for Johnny. Uh, OG, OG Ajabi uh, from Cleveland getting the draft by the Cavs. I think that's a great pick for the Cavs. I think the Cavs continue to build their roster smartly. Um, and he's a guy I think that will contribute for them. Um, they definitely need some wing help. I don't think Karis Levert's going to come back. And I, I actually don't know if Levert has money. I think he still has money left on his contract. But I wouldn't be surprised if they tried to get rid of Levert. I thought that was a bad deal for the Cavs in the first place. Uh, Levert, to me, doesn't seem like a player that works with what the Cavs have. Um, so who knows? Maybe Ajabi gets a chance to play to start. He's definitely going to be a rotation guy, I think, out the, out the box. And Cleveland will try to improve on last year and actually get to the playoffs and not get eliminated in the playoffs. So we'll see what happens there. Patrick Walt Baldwin to Golden State. I think there are some Bucks fans that could look at that and say, if we're going to draft a lottery ticket, why not take a guy like Baldwin? There's a lot of unknowns with Baldwin. I think Baldwin really had a year off. I think the Warriors are okay with it. You know, the, the guy can play in Santa Cruz for a year and hang out and get his, his feet wet. And they have a really promising young core. They're doing it the right way. And it's something that the Bucks probably will not get the luxury to have because they have basically, they're not going to tank, right? Unless there's an injury to Giannis, heaven forbid. But I think even if Giannis were to go down, I still think the Bucks could maybe even get to the playoffs, as crazy as that sounds. I don't think they're completely helpless like the Warriors were. Uh, but also remember, the Warriors did not just have Curry. They didn't have Clay, and it was just Draymond. I think if you lost, let's say, Giannis and Drew for a year, and it was just Chris Middleton, you'd be all right, but you wouldn't be, you'd be probably a 31 team, and the Bucs would be in the lottery, and that would be to their advantage, and obviously start building their roster. But we don't want to talk about that. Um, but the Warriors do have a very good chance here to build a young roster and kind of have Steph in his twilight with a bunch of promising young guys. So Baldwin is definitely a lottery ticket that was worth taking for the Golden State Warriors. And that was it for Wisconsin. Michael Foster also went undrafted. Adonis Williams also went undrafted. Uh, I'm sure they got spots. I didn't look and see if they are playing in summer league, but I assume they are. So good good day for Wisconsin basketball with Davis going in the lottery. 
good day for you know UWM. I mean, that's even though Baldwin was a disappointment, that's still great exposure. That's still something they can hang their hat on as a first round draft pick and sell it to future recruits and say you can do this too. Even though that's highly unrealistic, but I get it. Uh, bummer for Marquette. Life moves on though. And let's finish up here with the draft and talk about Kevin Durant rumors. So Kevin Durant is monitoring the situation with Kyrie. Kyrie, you know, is just a complete crazy person. You never know what you're going to get with with Kyrie Irving. And it's definitely something that I, I think we have to pay attention to as Bucks fans. Because there is a deal for Kevin Durant out there. We talked about it on a podcast about a month ago. I linked it out yesterday on Twitter. Um... And there is, a, there is a very easy way to get Kevin Durant here. And it's whether you trade Chris Middleton or you trade Drew Holiday. And because the Brooklyn Nets have given away a ton of picks in the Harden deal, they can't bottom out. Like, they cannot bottom out. Like, there is no room for it. They have to actually bring real players back. And so because of that, it makes the Bucks a player. And now you'd say, Charlie, why not trade Chris Middleton? Wouldn't Chris Middleton be the obvious one to trade here. He's Giannis's buddy. I really don't think they would trade Chris Middleton. I don't think in a million years. I think they would have KD, they'd have, they would have KD, Chris, Giannis, and that would be your front court. And they would just figure it out. And they would basically have a maybe KD running the point, maybe Giannis kind of running the point, which I wouldn't be in favor of. We know how point Giannis has gone. But you would just have those guys running sort of the offense and then having a guard to sort of dribble and do some of the ball handling stuff and just have a good ball handler that could be there and guide the defense and also play defense on the perimeter. Because I think you would need that. I think you would definitely need perimeter defense to complement what you had inside. Now, would Durant take a lot of shit for it? Yeah, he would have. He would be latching onto his wagon. He wouldn't be the bus driver, which has been a, a term that's been overused when it comes to Durant. That said, he, he loves Giannis. There's a ton of mutual respect there. I think it would be really hard for Giannis to basically cut Drew out of it. But if you have to do it, I mean, that's a all time, right? And I think Durant liked Oklahoma City. He liked the small nature of Oklahoma City. I think with Durant being really online and fans here being a little crazy, we saw it with PJ, um, maybe Durant wouldn't like that. But you have to at least have the conversation if you're the Bucks. Like you have to ask Giannis about it, right? Like it, I at least would call Giannis and say, "Hey, this opportunity might come available to us. What do you think?" Because I don't think you trade Middleton. I really don't. I think you the the package would be something around KD getting traded for Holiday and a few other pieces, um, and that would be the deal. And again, Brooklyn can't. He can't bottom out. I'm sure they'd want a pick or two, and you give them that, but they can't bottom out. There is They have to bring talent back. They can't just blow it the fuck up. I, I want to keep KD as far away from the East other than the Bucks, though. Um, let, let's be real here. I don't want KD to go to Miami. Now, to go to Miami, I think you'd have to... I don't know what the Miami packet... You, I don't think you could have Jimmy Butler and KD. I think you would have to deal Jimmy Butler. Jimmy Butler has a massive contract. I haven't looked at how all of this works, but I would assume that I probably you could do Lowry and Duncan Robinson and Tyler Harrow, but would that be enough, right, for KD? Like, that feels light. Like I feel like you'd have to either include Bam or Jimmy in that deal. And do you include Bam? And I think if you include Bam and Harrow, 
And Duncan Robinson, right? That's the deal. Um, I think that's really interesting for Brooklyn. I do. I, I mean, Jimmy and, and Durant play similar. I think there would be some ego alpha type shit. But I, I think it would be okay. I think they would figure it out. And then the Heat build around that and sort of free up the BAM. Con- well, you'd kind of trade contracts at that point. Atlanta would be terrifying. I don't know if he'd like playing for Trey Young, but Atlanta has so many assets available that you could make that deal happen, right? You could put Badanovich in there. You could put John Collins in there. You could find a way to make it work if you're Atlanta. Um, another one that would scare me would be the Bulls, right? Is Zach Levine sign and trade, or you trade DeRozan um, and you use DeRozan's contract as well as Vucevic and you bring in Durant. That would that'd be very scary. I do want I want no fucking part of that, right? So I think those are the three teams to kind of keep an eye on in the East. Like I think that those three, Chicago, Atlanta, Miami, would be the three that I would be the most worried about. That I would definitely keep me up at night if I was a Bucks fan. I think the West might have a better opportunity just because I think the West is still unknown. Even though Golden State won the title this year and they can easily run it back. I still think that there is a more opportunity in the West than there is in the East because of Giannis, because of the the Sixers, the Celtics. Like, I think the East is actually harder right now than the West in terms of the top. So I think the top in in the West is a little unknown besides Golden State. I think Phoenix still has a ton of questions. I they could maybe get a deal done for Durant. I don't know. I, I'm a little hesitant on that. I mean, Aiton is a big would be a big part of that. Memphis is fascinating to me. I think Memphis could. I think that would have to get signed off by Ja. But if they if Ja was okay with it, I think Ja and Durant together would be unreal. I think that would be a lot of fun. Uh, uh, Dallas, uh, I don't know. Um, again, I know he Durant loved living in Texas and things like that. And you had a great time there, but I don't know, man, I'm a little uncertain on, on the Mavericks piece of it. But yeah, the Clippers is another obvious one, but keep Durant in the West, please. We don't need him in the East any longer, unless he's playing with the Milwaukee Bucks. All right. I know it's a long show for Friday and I'm getting this out late. So the listens probably aren't going to be great, but who knows? Maybe they will. Uh, Brewers Cardinals very quickly. A couple things that uh, caught my eye. Brewers won. They split the series yet again with the Cardinals. They are 6-6 six and six now uh, this season. It is going to be a goddamn war between the Milwaukee Brewers and the St. Louis Cardinals the rest of the regular season. It is just going to be a complete fight. I think these two teams are very evenly matched. I think it's reason why you have to trade. You have to make some moves to elevate yourself a little bit higher than the Cardinals, and you know the Cardinals are going to do it as well. Um, I'm very worried they're going to get Frankie Montes. I will say that right now. I think they're. I'm not. I have no knowledge of this. I just keep thinking that Montes' perfect place to go would be the St. Louis Cardinals because the Cardinals have the assets to give the A's. Oh, you want Nolan Gorman? Great. You want Brendan Donovan, who's just an all-utility player, who's a classic Cardinals player? You want Juan Yepes? You want fucking Dakota Hudson, who has, he has potential, but it's clear that he's not that good, right? Like, the Cardinals, to me, have a weak spot in the in the starting rotation. Like, Miles Mikolas is a solid number one right now, which is crazy to think about, but even if you look at his numbers, they're not encouraging like, you know, in terms of advance, like his FIP's a little higher than what his ERA tells you. So I, I think the Cardinals, you could argue, maybe are a touch overrated just because their starters haven't been that good. Well, they've been good so far, but the underlying numbers aren't great. Like Wainwright has 
struggled this year. I mean, they got away with it. They won. So maybe you look at that and you say, well, once we get Woodruff back, we push it into overdrive and it'll be okay. And Burns and Woodruff will carry us. We'll see. We'll, we'll have to we'll have to see on that. Speaking of Woodruff, that was one of my other things I want to talk about. Uh, Woodruff pitched pretty much a full game with the T-Rats yesterday. It was pretty solid. Uh, he had said after the game to the Appleton media, like, I want to be back there. Like, it seemed like Woodruff was like, whatever I was dealing with, I'm good. I'm ready. I think the Brewers will activate Woodruff in the next week. I would target that Friday game against the Pirates. I, I know that you'd probably like him to be back home, but they're going out on the road. So I think you have Woodruff back against the Pirates. You could bump Burns back. They had mentioned how Burns had not got a lot of time off, weirdly, um, that he just the way the schedule has worked. Burns has been sort of pitching every fifth day versus like getting an extra day here and there. This would give Burns an even longer break from his last time out. I think he'll pitch Saturday, right, against the Blue Jays. So he'll almost get... Uh, six, you'll get a six-day break if they, or no, a seven-day if they bump him back. Gives them a little extra time. I think there's nothing wrong with that, in my opinion. We'll see how Corbin would feel about that. But, yeah, I think either you get Woodruff back for that Thursday, or was it, Wednesday afternoon game against the Reyes, or you bring him in for that Friday game. Now, the question of would you rather have Jason Alexander or Adrian Hauser is an actual interesting debate. Actually, I, I don't, well, no, take that back because you have Ashby Hurt. So, you definitely need all five. Basically, Woodruff would be replacing Chi-Chi, who I think we're going to get another Chi-Chi game on Sunday. We're going to be there, which means the Brewers aren't going to score any runs. Uh, that's that's how it works. When I go to Brewer games, I do not see the Brewers score at all. I've not seen any of my teams score recently. Uh, it's, I'm in a drought. Like My last two outings have been... Uh, no, I have to take that back because I, I saw some Marquette games in there, and they, they I've seen them win in those games, so take that back. But anyways, uh, Willie Adamas' comments I thought after the game was were illuminating. I thought that was something that was really good out of Willie. To me, it, it was spoken like a leader. Um, and not that the Brewers were lacking a leader at all, because I think Yelich is one. I think that Burns and Woodruff are both leaders. I think I would, I would even put Josh Hader in that sort of mix. But here's what was said by Willie Adamas after the game. This is from Adam McKelvey. We need to be better. We need to be better at executing when we have men in scoring position. Move the runner over. We have to be better at that. We haven't done a really good job, including myself, and we need to be way better. Look, acknowledging it's your first problem. They're not They're not ignoring it. They understand they have a problem with it. I hope it's not in their head. They just need to look at it and see what, what can we do differently. I felt like and maybe it's just I wasn't watching close enough and I'll have to keep an eye on it this weekend. I felt like they were more aggressive at the plate. Like I felt they were attacking a little bit more, um, not getting deep in counts and just getting after it. Um, so that to me is interesting. And especially when guys were on base. Like I think Carantini kind of did that. I felt like, you know, Tyrone Taylor's homer, right, was on a, the second pitch of an at-bat. Um, so maybe that's a li- little change that we're seeing from the Brewers. Jace Peterson, I think, on his sack fly had that where he attacked early. Um, so maybe that's something to keep an eye on as we as we go into the remainder of the season and get ready for the Blue Jays, which will not be an easy series. And you have Alex Manoa on the mound, who's a promising young pitcher. He's been really good uh, this season. So this will definitely be a tough one for the Brewers. Uh, cannot fall behind. A big start, I think, for Adrian Hauser, too. Uh, he's been shaky at best, and we'll see if Hauser can get it done. 
And then you have Burns on Saturday against uh, Yes Kikuchi. I don't. I can't pronounce the first name, but Kikuchi from uh, the the Blue Jays, the left-hander who hasn't been that good this season. But the Brewers also haven't been that good against lefties. So we'll see how that works. And then Jose Barrios, who also has struggled this year, especially on the road. But Barrios has some really good numbers against the Brewers. Uh, they have not been able to figure him out when he's played with or played with Minnesota. Uh, so I I would imagine there might be some struggles there as well. We'll see. Hopefully the Brewers can come out uh, this series ahead and have a winning homestand. All right, where am I on time? I'm pretty late. Uh, we will not do overrated, underrated, and properly rated. I could save at least two of them for next week. Um, yeah, maybe all three. We'll see. So I'll save it. Uh, we're already pretty late, and we'll, want to make sure you guys are already tuned out at this point, so it doesn't matter. All right. Take care of yourself. Have a great Friday. Have a great weekend. Uh, hopefully you enjoy, whether it's Summerfest, whether it's the Brewers, whether it's just the good weather, golf. It's a lot to do here in the city. And if you're not in the city and you're elsewhere, hope you guys are having good weather and get to enjoy a summer weekend. All right. Take care. Have a good one. We'll, uh, we'll talk to you on Monday. See you. Bye.